0: Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft. That greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And a big hey there to each of you tuning us in on one of our affiliate stations scattered across North America. Hello to those streaming us on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. And we are live streaming on the YouTube channel. And, of course, a special hello to each of you gathered in the YouTube live chat tonight this morning. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes. And I thank you for your fine company. Uh, open hours, or open lines <laughs> this hour, open lines, 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, and toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, if you had a chance to listen to the last hour with Paul Hellier and Victor Vigiani and you want to comment on that, you're certainly welcome to do so. Um, and just about anything else. Uh, you know, keeping in mind, this is a a conspiracy show. We talk uh, the paranormal, we talk UFOs, we can talk a little political subterfuge, if you'd like, uh, but we don't swap veal recipes. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, now, Carlos in the other room, do we still have uh, Victor Vigiani? Yes, Victor is, uh, is going to hang in, and... Um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna sort of conduct open lines together. It's always great to have Victor aboard. Victor, how are you?
1: Just fine, thanks. That was a, a very interesting first hour.
0: Yeah, uh, I know it's a people may not realize that that Paul Hellier is ninety seven years old, ninety seven, and um, so you know for him to be up late, that's. First of all, you know, we're very grateful. It's remarkable for him to have that kind mm-hmm. of energy still. And, and, uh, right. uh, but I would love to get him back on to delve further into the, uh, the economics, uh, the macroeconomics. Um, but the, the UFO, uh, ET question still to me is, um, I mean, I, I, I know he loves to talk macroeconomics and so forth.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah.
0: But to me, I mean, that's the Lollapalooza. Um, we we didn't have a lot of time to get into further into uh, his his views on the the types of ETs that are interacting with with uh, humankind, and I know you've talked to him a lot longer and known him a lot longer than I have. Can you share mm-hmm. a little bit about his views on on the types of ETs that are interacting and to what extent they are interacting?
1: Well, he he has has come on board with with. Um People like Clifford Stone. Um, I know we've we've uh, conducted interviews with Richard uh, with uh, with Clifford before, uh, and Clifford Stone has been one of the, um, I guess, foremost proponents of visiting crash sites where extraterrestrial vehicles have crashed. You know, we're talking, you know, hard, you know, uh, vehicles, and then on top of that actual beings and um and i know that um paul has definitely some very strong views not only about the kinds of vehicles that have crashed a and b the entities that are in these craft Uh, his assertion that there are 57 uh different varieties of extraterrestrials out there is not all that far-fetched because a number of other people who've um you know articulated that uh and have espoused the the um, uh, the position that the the United States government have met with some of them. Uh, it's very difficult to dismiss that kind of evidence. I mean, it's 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 easy to say, well, yeah, it's just so, you know, total fabrication, and it's easy to say that because it's so far fetched. But what if it is in fact true that there are in fact fifty-seven different. Species and Paul's made this very clear. I know that he's had interactions with um, a number of different people. Um, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, for one, uh, the sixth man to walk on, on, on the moon, who has affirmed the fact that uh, these craft have, in fact, crashed and there are beings and bodies being consumed by the, the United States recovery teams. Uh, this kind of stuff is not easy to dismiss. So w- what do you do with that kind of information? Do you just totally dismiss it or do you delve more deeply into the people who ha- espouse these particular points of view? And that's the whole conundrum of UFO disclosure. Uh, you, can, you can discount it in a holus bolus or you can de- de- uh, you know, dig more deeply into it and find out, in fact, whether Clifford Stone, for example, has in fact seen extraterrestrial beings at these craft sites. And, and that, to me, is is, is, a, is a tipping point that you just can't dismiss.
0: All right, let's go to the phones, and John is in Toronto. John, good morning. Welcome.
3: Hello, thank you for taking my call. Great show ple- you know as always, sir.
0: My pleasure. What's uh, on your mind? My
3: question is, um, uh, my main concern, uh, I believe that there are UFOs and that there are extraterrestrials in the world. Um, my, the one thing that I think about the most is, how are we going to shift... The paradigm that we have now as a human race, Um, I forget who it was that um, a a very famous man was asked by a reporter, and he said, do you believe in the uh, existence? Are there extraterrestrials? Is there intelligence in outer space? And the old man said, young man, there are only two possibilities. One, we are completely alone in the universe. Two, we are not. I find both possibilities to to fill me with equal measures of terror and excitement. Hmm. And my question is, how are we going to prepare people for for the paradigm that when the extraterrestrials do show up, because eventually they are going to show up, I truly believe that. Um, How, um, uh, uh, Mr. Vigiani, what do you believe is the best way that we can help prepare people um, so that people don't freak out. Like when Orson Welles read uh, War of the Worlds, um, it, it was very disturbing for people. What is the best way, other than these ridiculous UFO um, movies that um, always show, I mean, they're very violent and um, uh, vexationist to, uh, to, to people's nervous systems, uh, what is the best way that we can prepare ourselves?
0: All right, go and ahead, what would Victor.
3: What be the, the effects yeah. of such?
1: Excellent question. It's, it's it's something that plagues me on a daily basis. Um, how to prepare? Um, I, I guess the best way to to be prepared is to become involved in your own personal research. There is so much out there that you. First of all, you have to be careful about what what is out there. That's that's a very you know serious conundrum but if you do some really really good research with the good researchers that are involved in all of this and this has been going on now uh, you know for you know for 70 years there's so much information out there that people can um, you know lean on to become more acquainted with the different perspectives of what's really going on and the only way that i can describe it is do your own research uh, don 't depend on Facebook to you know be your um, be all and end all of your understanding of the extraterrestrial issue you 've really got to dig down deep and and look at people like um Jacques Vallée, for example um, and john mack uh, there are, and there are a number of other people involved in all of his research If you dig down deep and people you know they don't always dig as deep as they can to find out what's going on. So you have to prepare yourself with good information. And there's so much politically happening right now. You know, the the, the, the Pentagon issue, uh, the, the issue with the United States Senate going more deeply into all of this. You have to dig down deep and find out what's really going on in order to prepare yourself for what's really going to happen. And there is going to be some form of ultimate disclosure going on here. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So you have to do the work. Of um, investigating good people like uh, Richard Dolan, for example, read his his uh, both tomes on the UFOs and national security state. Get an understanding of of that to begin with. So, in order to prepare yourself, you've got to do your own research. You just can't depend on uh, on speculation on Facebook or Instagram or or, or tweet. Uh, Twitter, to, to to get a full understanding of what the UFO issue is all about. You have to do your own research. So that that's my suggestion to how to prepare
0: people for what's really going on. All right, John, thank you for that. Now, you mentioned Jacques Vallée, and, and one of his book books, and I can't remember the title, but it the subtitle had the word deception in it, suggesting to me, and I'm, I didn't read that book, but it, you tell me, was Valet not hinting that uh that perhaps extraterrestrials uh are not uh are not you know these knights in shining armor that are here to, mm-hmm. to to rescue us from ourselves there is an element of deception there which also echoes uh and now i've just lost the the thread his name the uh, the, the, um, the the gentleman the doctor from uh the philadelphia area who uh I, along with i think Bud hopkins they they Brought that Roper poll in about extra uh, alien mm-hmm, abductions, mm-hmm. Um, right. and I can't think of his name. Um, uh, do you know who I'm talking about? He's done some. Uh, he, uh, yeah. He's done some I, hypnosis uh, regressions right. and so forth, and and he right. believes I, he believes that uh, that David Jacobs, David Jacobs, Doctor David Jacobs, right. he believes yeah. also okay. that there is yeah. there is a nefarious mm-hmm. element uh, to these extraterrestrials.
1: I have no doubt, Richard, that um, what we believe. Uh, about the whole ET issue is not the full story and people who come forward about the benevolence of these ET races have their perspective and and. Um, I, I lean towards that perspective for, for one reason and one reason only is because of the work that I did with John Mack and, and with, with respect to the contactees that he interviewed. But set that aside for a second. Uh, the the idea that the extraterrestrials all are all of these benevolent beings is is, is is not a lock. There's absolutely no way that all of the extraterrestrials that are out there, all of the races that are out there are benevolent or sort of conducive to the, you know, extension of, uh, you know, human evolvement. There, there's no way that that can be true. There are beings out there that may be um, non-belevolent. I, I have no doubt about that. But the fact of the matter is that they're out there and that we have to deal with it. And that's, that's the crux of, of, of where I come from. There, are, There's a whole machination of how we understand the ET issue. And to go one way or another, we're deluding ourselves into um, a paradigm of of understanding that everything's going to be rosy. And I agree with you. It just may not be. But the fact of the matter is, once the human family understands that A, we're not alone in the cosmos, and B, that these beings are here, and C, what the heck are we going to do about it as a human family and, and how we deal with that, so that opens up the door to the possibility of these beings being you know, benevolent or non-benevolent. We just don't know. And if anyone suggests that it's one way or another, and that's the only answer to the question,
0: I think we're deluding ourselves. All right, let's say hi to Jim in Toledo. Jim, welcome. Good morning.
4: Good morning. I'm 79 years old, and I've heard about The Creature from Jekyll Island in G. Edgar Griffin's book, Right. About the Federal Reserve probably forty, fifty years ago. Yes. You guys uh, contacted Mr. Griffin, are you friendly with him?
0: Oh I've had him, I've interviewed him many times over the years. It's been a while mm-hmm. since I've had him on, but I've interviewed him on my radio program and my T V show. Yes. Pretty much the right. same line of reasoning the way I see it. Well he hasn't changed his position, if that's what you mean. Um, if yeah, I mean he's he's talking about the you know, the power of the Federal Reserve. This is the creature from Jekyll Island. It was formed uh, on this island, and and uh, rammed rammed nineteen thirteen, and it was rammed through uh, Congress w- with uh, during a Christmas break when there weren't uh, you know too many pe- people were anxious to get home. Let's put it that way. Uh, they didn't. And
4: the three major families that did it were Rothschilds, the J.P. Morgan, and mm. the Rockefellers.
0: Yes. Well, that's the that's the big. Um, These are the, the people running the world. Well, it's, yeah, it's not federal, it's not a reserve, and it's not a bank. Really, It's just a license to print money for somebody. It's a
4: ball of money merchants.
0: Well, you know, I spoke to Michael Tellinger recently, I would say within the last two months. Uh, he was on my podcast, and um, uh, Tellinger actually believes that uh, Trump has essentially taken over the Fed uh within the auspices of the the US Treasury and I've had I've had a number of people um tell me the same thing and I don't know you know exactly where they're getting their information but this is what they believe so and, I and if they were God to
4: God that uh, Donald Trump wears a uh, le... a Kevlar vest <laughs> Kevlar vest Kevlar
0: Kevlar headpiece Kevlar leggings well, and, and Tellinger says that that would be the tipping point. If you were to bring down the Federal Reserve in the United States, uh, then the, it would collapse like a house of cards across the world. One by one, all of the central banks would, would basically collapse. And
4: um, We're back to John Kennedy and
0: Abraham Lincoln. There you go. All right. Thank you for uh, checking in with uh, or Jim from Toledo. Do we still have Andy on the line, Carlos? Do we still have Andy? Okay, let's say hi to Andy. Are you there, Andy?
2: Well, I'm 88 years old, and I have two quick uh, suggestions. One is about aliens, and the other is about the banks. Why can't we have a, a national museum in Ottawa with the 37 or whatever full-size aliens mannequins there so people could go and look at them and see them with a card with their history there? Why can't we have it? Because we people are not aware who who these are. Let's have full-size mannequins at a National Museum somewhere. On the other hand, about banks, this is my message that I want to get on uh, on my uh, local station on Friday, five seventy Kitchener, and I want to say to the students, uh, university students, particularly in Ottawa and the cities, look, have three placards and go and protest. The uh, uh, leaders of the politician parties and say this: three placards. Number one says, "Share candidates' wealth." Placard number two that you're protesting with is, "Banks earn five billion dollars." And the third placard is, uh, "Guaranteed minimum, uh, guaranteed minimum wage right now, N O W now." for Canadians 18 and over, and the reason I say this, sir, is I was at a university years ago. I went by a restaurant and smelled the food. I didn't have a damn penny. I had to go home on the weekend to get food. And I'm saying, why can't Canadians get a guaranteed minimum wage? Well, we we do
0: have a guaranteed minimum wage, sir. Okay, Andy. Andy, 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 slow down now. You're all exercised, and that's good. I, I love the passion, but we do have a minimum wage. If you're talking about a guaranteed, universal income, well, that idea is being floated, and I don't think it's a good one, um, for a, lo- a whole lot of reasons, of which we don't have time to get into uh, here. Um, now, in terms of uh, student debt, I mean, there's no, there's no free lunch, right? If 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 we bail out students or, you know, some have even uh, have suggested free post-secondary education. There's no free. There's no such thing as free. All right? It comes from uh, the taxpayers. It comes out of our pocket. So um, we have to be also, we have to remember here in Canada, the post-secondary education is already heavily subsidized. You're paying a tenth of what they do in the United States for post-secondary. So we also have to rethink, you know, who are we graduating? Are they, are they graduating and prepared for the new economy? I, I spent uh, a, uh, a couple hours speaking with Dennis Combites a couple weeks ago about robotics, the revolution, that it's here. We're talking about a massive, massive displacement in the workforce in North America. I believe he said 40%. That's sixty million people who have jobs today will not have them within ten years now there will be some new jobs from robotics, uh, but the people that are graduating from university f- to do and, and high school they're being trained to do jobs that will not exist within the decade. so we have to be more mindful about you know what we 're studying here as students and uh having a a Ph.D. in philosophy is great, but, you know, is that really worth putting yourself $100,000 in debt? I don't know if that's uh, the way to go in 2020. Uh, let's see. Well, why, don't we, uh, why don't we take a timeout? And uh, are you good to hang around for a little longer, Victor?
1: I'm still with you and I have some educational perspectives on exactly what you just I'm I'm guessing you would as a, yeah, former, for sure, as a former yeah, principal.
0: Yeah. All right, we'll, uh, exactly. we'll I will get your sure. take on that when we come back 416 360 0740, 740 And Carlos, my screener isn't working, so just keep, just keep buzzing my ear telling me uh, who's calling and where they're calling from. I always like to hear where they're calling from as well. And uh, toll free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. Look at the sky. Ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Just a quick programming note. I will be hosting Coast to Coast AM on Friday, October the 16th, and then there's a couple more dates in October. Uh, I can't remember, but I've got them written down somewhere, I promise you. And uh, if you want to just keep track of my comings and goings and when I'll be on coast and so forth, just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca. There's an events and appearances page. Just click on that. That'll tell you when I'm uh, I'm doing coast and some of the other radio programs I do, like Humble and Fred, my good pals uh, on uh, Another radio station. Uh, I usually do the the first Wednesday of every month. All right. So we were talking to uh, Andy earlier, uh, Victor, and he was um, bemoaning the fact. And, and I think we're all sympathetic to a certain degree with students who are saddled with these huge debts. Um, and I think he was talking about universal um, income. I'm not sure because we do have a we do have a minimum wage. Um, which I'm not. I'm also not a huge fan of. However, you wanted to weigh in as a former educator.
1: Well, yeah, it's a really difficult balance to to try to achieve. Just take Canada for example. I mean, we, we live in a very fortunate country where education is is was at one time the premier sort of uh, cherry on the cake globally. I mean, uh, Ontario had at the one time literally the best education system in the globe, and it was really a a monument to how uh, the provincial government at the time under Bill Davis brought forward some educational reforms that completely revolutionized elementary school education, secondary school education, and post-secondary. But that doesn't come with a free ticket. And to assume at any point in time that you can go through elementary school, secondary school, and post-secondary on a free ticket is absurd we all have to pay our own fair share. And when you do invite people to become involved in an educational system that's going to provide you with you know, a, a Bachelor of Arts degree or a PhD or whatever it happens to be, you have to be you know, well-informed about the kind of risks you're taking in order to burden the general public with that debt. And to me, it's a very kind of thin line that you have to tread so you can't have the whole thing. What I don't understand somehow is that, you know, students who come out of a university with a $50,000 debt, how does that happen? Something has to happen to readjust that kind of inequity. Right. Well, then t- again, I have some
0: ideas about that. and Sure. I, I mean, I think for the most part, and it's been a while since I was in post-secondary, and it was reasonably affordable back in the 80s, and I don't know, mm-hmm. I think... By and large, compared to other jurisdictions, it still is. So, for example, in the United States, I mean, you can spend $50,000 a year for tuition Mm -hmm. and books and so forth. And when I look at the money and the resources tied up in in post-secondary institutions, in administration, in buildings, brick and mortar, that model doesn't work anymore. You, no, you're right. It's so top heavy now with there's, you know, as many administrators or more than there are, there are for faculty. And in the United States, a lot of these universities are just swimming in cash because of uh, alumnists that donate. Some of them have billions of dollars at their disposal. And they're building, mm-hmm. you know, huge sports facilities and so forth, which is fine. But I think it's beholden upon them to get their financial structure in line so that, it, that it's more affordable. For people, But the idea that now of it's like libraries, we're not building Mm -hmm. libraries anymore because everything is online. We're going to move that way with post-secondary education as well. And we're getting a taste of it now with COVID and kids going uh, online courses. This is the future, like it or not. It's here. Right. Yeah. I think
1: the point that you're making is what kind of student do we want to put through a system of education that's going to eventually benefit society? you have an educational system in place for only one reason as far as i'm concerned is to benefit the general society that you are existing in it advances the society in order to provide insights in scientific philosophical political all of the all of the disciplines that are there all of these things are in place to improve society i mean correct me if i'm wrong but an educational system it means to lead. That's what educate right. means. Well, to a certain to point,
0: it's also you know yes, we we want we want to graduate good citizens, um, but you're also creating you're creating an economic unit who's who's going to be a, a wage earner right. in, a, in a family, and that is the that is mm-hmm. the underpinning of our society and our economy. That the family unit, and if you have someone uh, who graduates, and let's say that they're not taking, they're not going to university, they're graduating with a trade. So they're a plumber, they're an electrician, or what have you. That person becomes, you know, a solid wage earner uh, that can support a family. Uh, They become, you know, their consumers, uh, you know, and yes, you want them to be that person, a man or a woman, to be a good citizen and so forth. Uh, But you're creating independent family units, economic units and, uh, that pro- yeah yeah, they propel the society yeah exactly yes, yes. Yep. yeah yeah I, I um so I, I I don't know what the answer is to some of these th- this is a huge student debt bubble in the United States uh that's, that's going to have potentially catastrophic consequences on uh you know I, I don't know what the answer is there, um, but I know we're headed down the wrong road in terms of you know how we are presenting. Uh, post-secondary education to students—it's um, just so top-heavy again with administration and, and brick and mortar and so forth. It's all so unnecessary. There's no need for an education to cost what it does in, in many in many ways. Uh, I, I often yeah. wonder to myself exactly, Richard. I often wonder where
1: these costs are. I, it, I, you know, having been part of a uh, you know the Toronto Catholic District School Board. And you look at the kinds of costs that they are involved in. You talk about bricks and mortar and land development and where do you buy schools and all of that. There's so much um, built into the infrastructure of developing an educational system uh, that's not part of children in the classroom. It's sort of like a backdrop to to what's going on with kids in, in a classroom that the public really doesn't understand what it really takes to put a public education system in place that uh, validates families, that gets kids involved, that that propels them on to uh, beyond, you know, secondary or post-secondary education into the, you know, uh, degree programs, right. PhDs, etc. So wh- 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 how do you propel those kinds of systems in place without investing dollars? And uh, wh- wh- where do the dollars come from? I guess that's my question.
0: Right, right. Um, well, I think... I think we know where we're headed in the future, and, and I think university uh, and college will be uh, very affordable and it in some cases free, and it'll be available online to the world. Uh, so if, you, if you're in uh, Kenya and you have, a, you have access to a tablet or a phone, uh, you can go to school. You can go to the finest mm-hmm. uh, Ivy League college uh, or university in the world, and uh, that's where it's headed. Uh, I, th- I think that that future is is bright. I think we're we're going to get rid of uh, the delivery system that we have now, just because it's just it's it's no longer workable. It, it, it's archaic. And and what we're
1: going through right now with this so called pandemic is that we're gradually realizing that uh, I have very close friends, Richard, as, as you probably do too, who are now working from home for a variety of reasons. And they are actually becoming more productive at home than they were in the office. They went and took the subway down to University you know, Avenue and went to into their office on King Street. They're more productive now at home than they've ever been. Right. The, the, the fact of the matter is they're taking less sick days. They, they, it was there's some stats out there that uh, initially you know people took uh, three or point five or 4, you know four point zero uh, sick days per month. Now it's down to two point two sick days. Right. Well, as someone who's worked from home
0: have, for a very long time, I, I, and right. and my lovely bride as well. I can yeah you mm-hmm. you you work longer. You work through your lunch because you're working at your dining room table, so you're eating and you're right. working and you're and you're taking texts mm-hmm. and emails at bedtime. You, you you definitely work further, and and for people now who are also working in the home, this is a big change. Now they see the possibility and and, and how workable it is, maybe even to homeschool.
1: Uh, do, th- do, you, do you think? Yeah. Do you think that this kind of, of revolution of uh, how how you work from home is really going to change things, or will when things settle down, is it going to just revert to the other model? What, what do you think about
0: that? No, I don't think I don't think we're going back entirely. Uh, uh, some things I don't want to leave behind, and we may have to. But one of the things I think one of the silver linings is uh, is we're going to get back to you know the importance of, of family structure and family life, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Um, if um you're going to be working from home. You're you're going to be uh, spending more time with your children. I've seen some recent uh, studies uh, in the United States. Uh, they haven't done polling up here up, up here like this, but something like sixty percent now of parents in the U.S., many of the minorities, are saying they are now seriously considering spending uh, uh, a few years anyway, homeschooling your children we've got to take a quick time out we'll come back into some more calls Victor Vigiani stays with us this is the Conspiracy Show don't go away
3: the truth is not out there it's right here the Conspiracy
0: Show with Richard Sarratt from Zoomer Radio, and if you enjoy the conspiracy show, check out my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can listen and subscribe at Conspiracy Unlimited Podcast dot com, Conspiracy dot com, or wherever you find your uh, find your your podcasts. It's uh, it's everywhere and. Uh, Let's uh, go right to the phones. And Paul is in Jersey City this morning. Paul, welcome.
5: Well, uh, bienvenue and uh, bonjour. <laughs> you. Uh, Richard, you are one of my favorite hosts when you uh, substitute in the, how do you call it, the air chair. The on air coast chair. Coast.
0: Yes. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you.
5: You're, you're quite welcome. And uh, w- wonderful discussion this evening. I want to touch on economics and UFOs and they actually go together and let me uh, well let me elaborate as fast as I can for everybody uh, first uh, I will ask a question what passport in the world is the most potent passport you could have of any nation just take a guess
0: the most potent what do you mean by potent?
5: Well, it's a passport where you don't need a visa to go anywhere. Where you go through, where you do not go through air, any airport. Oh,
0: or a diplomatic passport. Uh, steamship
5: security. A, a diplomatic passport.
0: A diplomatic passport.
5: Uh, no, not even that. Well, it is a diplomatic passport of a sort. A United
0: Nations passport. Uh, no, no. But
5: you, touch, uh, you and Paul Hillier, touched on it. The Bank of International Settlements.
0: They have their own passport.
5: They certainly do. And, oh, yes. And B- they BIS their called, own passport. It's called BIS. That's correct. Absolutely mm-hmm. correct. And you can go anywhere in the world for any reason at any time with no search, nothing. You just go
0: through, and that's it. I was not aware of that. I mean, I know about the Bank of International Settlements; it's kind of the central bank of central banks. But I had no idea. But I have, having he- heard that, I can't say that I'm surprised. So they pretty well have carte blanche.
5: That's right. If you have that passport, they will not question you. You will not be. At, you will you will simply be told to take your seat or your right.
0: front of the line. cabin, and that's it. All right. Now, but, so you wanted to connect that. But what that. does that mean? What does
1: that mean?
5: Well, it just means that uh, if you talk about money and power that's power right there I mean you can go where you want when you want, and there are no visa restrictions no uh, no restrictions of any kind
0: all right well that tells us a lot so you wanted to connect economics with UFOs all right yes
5: now if you uh there are uh, when when uh, Oh, hell uh, by the way, I read his book on uh, the Money Mafia, and I'm looking forward to the, his new book. Uh, in, when, it came, when it comes to huge debt and, uh, and things like pandemics, the ancients really had the answer to it. And this is going back to the kings of the Bible, like uh, Manassas, who was not a good one, Hezekiah, who was a good one, um, the non, uh, uh, non-Israelite kings like Nebuchadnezzar and uh, uh, Pharaoh Necho and the Pharaoh Ramses, in situations like this, they put all debts at an end until things return to normal. That was it. They just declared an end. Uh, how you could do it today, well, yeah, it remains to be seen, but it would have to be done because in a situation that we have now, can you imagine what happens if people uh, who face possible evictions are suddenly put on the street? Do you know what what that does to the spread of disease?
0: Oh, it's true. It's true. Yeah, for See, sure. And so the, the well, there, and and not only that. I mean, yes, the, the the tenant that's put on the street, but also you have you have the whole commercial real estate uh, business would collapse. Uh,
5: yes, that's, yes, that is true, but uh, again, uh, the the ancients really had the answer to it. They,
0: they call those jubilee years uh, in the Bible as well. They every Was it every 70 years? Was a jubilee year?
5: Uh, uh, let me see. Uh, yes.
0: So you would wipe out jubilee, all debt?
5: A jubilee year where all debts were at an end, right. slavery was at an end, everything.
0: It's hard, to, it's hard to do that, though, with a Federal Reserve. I don't think they're going to go along with that.
5: No, I don't think they would. The greed is too strong. Uh, and then the other thing is with UFOs. I don't think to the ancients UFOs were all that strange because if you read everything about the gods and this is including in the Bible. If you read uh, the Bible, the, the uh, Quran, the Baha'u'llah, Gita, all of them, uh, Roman, uh, Roman and Greek uh, pantheons, to them, the gods came from the heavens. Now, the concept of heaven was uh, somewhat different from what you and I today. Ima- no, because today we know that the uh, Earth is round. We we look to the skies, the heavens. But if you read, uh, I think it's Second Corinthians chapter twelve, uh, the Apostle Paul writes about being uh, transported to third heaven. Uh, right. just, I'll paraphrase. He said he says that he knew a man who fourteen years before uh, was brought to third heaven. He knew not whether in body or spirit.
0: Paul, I got to jump in here because I'm up against the uh, the clock. Here we've got to take I, a time out. You hold on. You hold on, and we'll get back to your call in a moment. Victor Vigiani stays with us as well. Open lines on the conspiracy show.
4: Keeping
3: an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free
0: 1-866-740-4740. Paul is in Jersey City. Paul, you were talking about UFOs in the Bible. Uh, Just finish up with that point and we'll get Victor to, to respond.
5: All right, well, uh, again, uh, as I said, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote about uh, third he- being transported to third heaven. I'm sure he was referring to himself in that passage in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Now, the, the ancients had uh, this concept of it, uh, that first heaven was the earth itself. It existed within, uh, like an ether, which would be first heaven. Second heaven would be the firmament or the sky where the birds and the clouds would uh, they would see and the stars at night. And then third heaven was the area where the god or gods lived. That was beyond the reach and uh, beyond the visibility of the people in the first heaven area, which was the earth. So it was a... Uh, 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 A spiritual, transcendental type of thing, but they regarded the gods as coming from the third heaven. So, it was not so strange to them. Uh, Ezekiel writes of seeing wheels within wheels. Uh, If you go to the... uh, Well, I'm I'm most familiar with Roman mythology because it's Latin. Uh, And the Romans regarded the gods as coming uh, from chariots in the sky. And when you think about it, how would they view a a, a, a vehicle coming from uh, coming from the second heaven, the firmament, the sky? They would look at it as similar to what they had here—a chariot. So, uh, in that sense, uh, it was not strange to them at all.
0: No, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah,
5: and uh, one more thing about education. Uh, Don't want to take too much time, but I will say this: when it comes to online learning, yes, it is good. But remember, if you want, if you study chemistry, if you study medicine, if you study biology, um, even uh, electronics and physics, you need work in the laboratory, and that takes physical uh, a physical classroom or physical laboratory Mm -hmm. in which to work.
0: That's true. Uh but they're getting there. Uh, my 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 children are taking some online uh it's a, an earth sciences or it's uh I think it's called earth sciences. It's kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that and and That's you'd be amazed at what they can do now online with uh with even uh even um, biology, in terms of uh, oh yes, yeah, my, my uh,
5: grandchildren is Animations well, my and I so forth. But
0: you're right; it's not the same, same as
5: different parts of the world. Isn't yeah,
0: it? we're not there yet, but it's getting there. It's getting there. Yeah. And by the way, I, we have a son who has six children, and they are all being
5: homeschooled. It started with the eldest one, who is fourteen, and it will continue with the youngest, who is one month. <laughs>
0: Well, I tell you, if, if not everyone is in a position to do it, but if you are, I think you should seriously consider it because you will never, ever regret, if nothing else, you'll never, ever regret that extra time that you spend with your, your children. You, it's just you, it's, money can't buy that. You know, an extra, I had an extra four years where every single day they were with us, and uh, that's just so important on so many levels. Again, not everyone is in a position, but now more are. For sure, yeah. more are. Thank you, uh, Paul from Jersey City. Great hearing from you.
5: And great, he- great yeah. speaking with you, Rashad.
0: The he, the Paul brings
1: to the point very, some very poignant questions, and the only caveat that I would, uh, as as a teacher now, this is totally different than than is the social interaction in a classroom of twenty five or thirty students on a day to day basis. Uh, over 185 days, you're in that classroom with 25 or 30 students and you meet them every single day. You The bell rings at 9 o'clock and you bring them into the classroom and you sit down, you get your books out and you just begin. Um, I just wonder how that's going to be replicated by any kind of online learning. And I know it's very specific. Online learning can be very, very focused and specific, but I just don't understand how we can replicate or bring into play that sort of recess bell in the morning, where the, the the bell rings and you come into the classroom and you're just in there with your backpacks and your lunch and everything, and kids are interacting with a teacher who has something to offer.
0: Well, uh, well, I there are there is I synchronous, don't. there is asynchronous, which is. You know, it's a little bit like correspondence courses. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, then there is synchronous, which is you have a, a teacher. It's it's live. It is interactive. You have other students. Yes, I, I get it. It's not – you're not breathing the same air. It's, it's – you're, you're right. not yeah, – the, the, yeah, the yeah. socializing isn't there, which is one of the reasons we let our our uh, our boys go this year. They, just, they wanted mm-hmm. what they call mm-hmm. a real high school experience. So they're going to an all-boys right. Catholic school. Uh, mind wow. you, it's, only, it's mm-hmm. only two days a week, and it's a half a day, but they just crave wanting to be away from the house, in another building, with other kids, and I couldn't deny yeah. that. But yeah. it doesn't have to be their entire scholastic career. It
1: could be just three or four years. Yeah, it's not one thing or another. You're right. There's a balance there someplace. Right, and the other, thing is,
0: to, the other thing is where you can get the socialization is with co-ops. So a bunch of parents get together. And they rent out a church basement, and we did this too. And you hire some teachers, and now mm-hmm. there uh, and these are you know teachers uh, whose values align with your values, and they're teaching courses in a certain way. And mm-hmm. um, this is almost it goes back to the, the pioneering days when when parents would form councils and hire the teacher, and she would teach right. you know, all eight all eight classes in a one one room schoolhouse. Um, it's kind of back to the future, but so co-ops uh, are, are something else that people are discovering that work as well, and and uh, it gives the parents so much more control, and uh, and it also allows the children to socialize. But it is kind of a a homeschool type atmosphere. I want to grab a quick call it, here. Sorry, um, quick quick point, Victor, and then I'll get to a call. Yes, go ahead. No, just my 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 point there is that.
1: We are going through a revolution of education, and I think I really feel that we do, we cannot dismiss all the possibilities that are open to us. And I think that everybody who's involved with with the concerns with their with their children the socialization and and the academics and everything, we, we we need to let this play out in order for us to understand what's really open to us now uh, and available to us all to our children. With respect to what we've gone through with the past, what six
0: or eight months? Right. Well, now we because now we have options, and and yeah, having choice exactly. is always a good thing, uh, and and um, that's what I'm excited about is the the choice now uh, mm-hmm. for parents. We've I think we've come to the the end of the road for our homeschooling because our boys are now into high school, um, but. Um, Again, for those who are are thinking about it, and now if you're in a position because you're 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 at home and you're working, now is a great time. If you're thinking about it, now is a great time to try it. Uh, and it's and and it it does seem maybe intimidating, but you know what? It, I, what I discovered is it's not the teaching. It's not you know. Figuring, relearning grade eight math, which I had to do in pre-algebra, mm-hmm. it's dealing, it's dealing, it's dealing with your children's behaviors, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that yeah, gives you a whole right. respect for you're teachers right. as well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and we've come to the end of the road of this uh, program. Just about, I don't, we're not going to have time for another call. But uh, uh, Victor, speaking of COVID, I mean, you're uh, typically this time of year, you're out, you're doing, uh, you're doing um, uh, UFO conventions and conferences and so forth. You must miss it.
1: Yeah, I do, Richard. It's, uh, it's a serious void in my existence. I've I've talked to a number of uh, the researchers that I've been involved with over the past 25 or 30 years, and they're all suffering, Richard, with respect to the access to information that we all kind of had become accustomed to in the flow of information with respect to the UFO reality. And I... I I, I get a sense that people are actually vanquished. They're 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 at a point where say, oh, I, it's, it's almost like some people have given up. I I, I don't want to quote any names. I won't and I won't say that, but they're extremely frustrated by the wall of um of of of, of uncertainty that's out there, and I'm 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 concerned about that. I'm very very concerned about it with respect to how the, the ET issue is going to evolve in, in in the coming six to eight months. I don't know where it's going to go. I, there are certain open opportunities that I think are are there with respect to what the political implications are. But I sense a frustration with people that this just might not happen in the way that we want it to with respect to, to disclosure and and all this happening in the political and uh, and the medical covid kind of context that, we're, that that we're that we're existing in it's a it's a very problematic uh feature to me uh, and i'm very concerned i'm very very concerned
0: well there yes there well there is despair and despondency um you know everywhere uh and and there are people that are giving up and and they mustn't and they can't and and uh, mm-hmm. they shouldn't uh you know this too will pass uh, but th- that's one of the tragic elements of of this and I've said this before unfortunately I believe we've come to a position now where the cure has been worse than the disease uh Victor always a pleasure and we'll uh, talk again down the road very soon I'm sure for sure. It's been a pleasure, Richard. Thank you very much. My pleasure. ZLand News Network, ZLand Communications. All right, uh, my thanks to uh, Brian White for the live stream and Carlos Kajina for technical production back next week with a brand new program. Not sure what it is yet, but it'll be good. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.